You smoke cigarettes, or did no. you ever? No. Do you ever have, want to? No, I've never. I'd never wanted to smoke anything. Really? I've tried. You know, obviously, I've yeah. had a cigarette, and then I'm like, what is this? Yeah. This is gross. And then I just never had a desire to have any more. Yeah. I always thought smoking was the coolest looking thing. I still do. Yeah, you're from that generation, though. My generation, it wasn't as cool anymore. And yet it's still happening. Young people oh, yeah, still smoke. I guess maybe it's where I grew up. Okay. It wasn't as cool. Yeah, if was... I knew I was going to die in a week, I think I'd spend the whole week smoking, eating chocolate. So if you knew you were going to die, you just want to look cool. Yeah, I would want to look cool. <laughs> what? Come Leave on. a cool core. Maybe not. Yeah, okay. Hi, welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. I am Marshall Vandruff, an art instructor. And I am Stan Pekopanka, also Marshall Vandruff. Let's try it again. I am Stan Pekopanka, also Marshall Vandruff. <laughs> Let's just let it hang as it is. I, I, I think it's okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay. I wish I was also Marshall Vandruff. Oh. Okay, what are we going to talk about, Stan? I think you've got a subject on your mind. Well, what, are you, what have you been up to, I want to hear the all? intro first. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Boo. Yes. I'm okay. alive now. Here we are. What have you been up to? Um, I've been putting together a book of my artwork. Really? Yeah. I didn't know anything about this. I know. I didn't tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> um, Want to tell us yeah. more? It started with, I wanted to put together a book of all of my student work, all the stuff I did, you know, back in the day, kind of just like showing up progression. And then it kind of just turned into like just all my favorite stuff from the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now it's just a book of the, oh, not all my stuff. It's just my drawings. No okay. paintings in there. It's just drawings, mostly life drawings, um, figurative stuff. I don't have any like any uh, anything from my sketchbooks. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything any of my illustrations that I've done. It's it's all humans, just mm -hmm. people. Um, yeah, kind of like a life drawing book. Yeah. When you're putting it together, it becomes sort of a little tour of the past, doesn't it? And yeah, br but it's a small little s segment of my of my past. Mm -hmm. I'm planning on doing more books. Okay, is there going to be a painting one? Of course, and that'll be separate course yeah yeah well good yeah that's, that's... and i'm excited i just got a uh what is it called? it's like a dummy i forgot oh, they, yeah, they yeah, have a yeah, name a for it right but it's basically the book itself right but without anything printed on it it's uh -huh. just blank pages but you get to feel what it feels like you can see oh. what thickness it is yeah it gives you a tangible piece of product to say this yeah. will be a I like book. this yeah great it'll be cool i'm hoping to get it finished by the convention season so that well, not Comic-Con, but the Lightbox and CTN, because I'll have booths there. Okay. So I'll hope to sell them there. Good. Yeah. That's what I've been... Oh, what have you been up to? <laughs> You're looking at me like, come on, my turn. <laughs> what have you been up to, Michael? Wrapping up teaching anatomy at Concept Design Academy in Pasadena. It's been eight weeks, including drapery, and it's been just really great students, great environment. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I just never get tired of teaching anatomy. Awesome. That's what I've been doing. I love teaching anatomy too. Yeah. Well, we have that in common. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. What next? Next. Today's episode's about robot teachers. Oh, that sounds scary. 
Okay, already pressing my buttons, aren't you? Because I use the word scary because yeah. you said robot and automatically I associate it with science fiction and terror. Yes. And that's what everybody does, which means that they can't learn about robot teachers because they're too afraid of the technology. These robot teachers will kill us all. <laughs> yes, these robot teachers will kill us all. Um, yeah, no, the AI, anyone hears the word AI and they automatically think of Terminator. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not that. Siri is an AI. Is she going to kill you? <laughs> Yeah, it's like when she, she's slowing, <laughs> slowly killing me with her bad answers. Turn right off of that cliff. <laughs> yeah, I guess she could kill you. It's like but. it's got the connotations of the word nuclear. You know, you just associate yeah. it with with the destructive capacity as opposed to anything else. Yeah. So I, AI, robot teachers. Yeah, I have a totally different point of view on this. I love AI. Okay. It's kind of been an obsession. Tell us more. For a while, like when. Um, when Cooper was born and I went on paternity leave for several months, I, I was just doing research on AI the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like if I was watching him, I would just be on my phone, like learning how to program, learning algebra, like, you know, more like advanced algebra and just stats and trigonometry, trying to just get good at math so that I could understand how AI algorithms work. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a really uh, big obsession. And then when I came back, I was, I realized like, you know, I'm never going to actually get good enough at math to actually make AI things that work, but I can invest in projects uh, where we experiment with AI and tools for artists. So I've been doing that uh, lately. And this means that when you are training, you would have a teacher who gets all feelings out of the way and sees only truth so that you, if you submit to this, will have a faster yeah. track to mastery. The, the word truths, though, Obviously. it's only things you tell it are true, so. So you, it's, it's, it's. So you, you might give it a lie and it'll think it's a truth, but. It's gotta be programmed, it's gotta be yeah. taught. The AI robot teacher has to be taught. Yeah, it'll know only what we tell it to know. I think that AI and just in general, just apps that help people learn are going to be very good for um, spreading the availability of art education or any education, but let's just focus on art. Um, because a lot of people around the world just don't have access to good teachers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear it all the time or you get questions from people in maybe India or other countries where they, or art isn't really um, part of the culture. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of frowned upon to, to, choose that as a career mm -hmm. um, but people a lot of the younger people there do have access to the internet and they see how interesting art is and they want to get good at it but they just don't have good schools there and so I think that if the internet becomes a great school which it's becoming um, then it doesn't matter where you live you could become a great artist because it's available online so geography just becomes not important anymore. Um, I understand all that, yeah. Yeah, so right now we have a lot of information online so people can go watch a video and learn something, but there's a missing element there. And we've talked about this and this okay. is that feedback. Yeah. You still need someone or something 
to look at your work, look at your practice drawing, whatever, and tell you what you did wrong. Because assuming that you're a human, you can't, you don't know what you did wrong because you don't know what you're doing, right? Okay, I think I've got it. The first thing is the internet is this great resource for learning, the best resource ever anybody ever imagined. The yeah. second thing is it doesn't give you feedback on how you're doing unless you're specifically hiring a person through it. Yeah, unless you live in parts of the world where there's great art schools. Yeah, or even getting feedback online if you've uh, you got a, a mentor who's online giving you feedback on your work. But that's not nearly as good as going to an art school where that's constant. Right, that grant, granted, but it's the same kind of thing. You do it get is. feedback. You can get feedback. It's not as good because, I mean, yeah, right now when people ask me, how can I get feedback? I tell them, well, I don't have time anymore to give you feedback. I'm sorry. Um, we, but we do have these Facebook groups where you can post stuff. Mm -hmm. And they can, but then some people post and then they don't really get any answers. Yeah. So, so this is the next step of intelligence, artificial intelligence, giving you feedback. Yes. How? So, okay. So computers are better than humans at many things, right? They're also worse than humans at many things. Okay. But let's focus. Okay. Let's start with the, the ones that are better. They're better at math. Okay. Which includes like spatial things, the proportions. They could, they could judge proportions to the pixel. Yeah. So they could definitely be better than your art teacher at telling you where your proportions are wrong. And they'll do it instantly. They'll tell you every mistake you made about on proportions right away. Um, unless you're, you got an old computer or something and it's slow. Anyway, so speed, that's another thing is it's just faster than your human teacher. Um, it's better at memorizing things, so it'll know every rule about the science of light and about anatomy and where all the muscles attach. It'll learn, it'll remember everything. So it's better at memory and facts, and it's just better at details. So if you go for the left brain, right brain thing, it's the ultimate left brain. Yes. Hey, good. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, okay. I, I again this is uh it, this makes sense I, I i get it yeah so it's better at all these things it's but it's worse at i guess the right brain maybe not though we can discuss that a little bit okay later yeah. um but it's 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 not as good as humans um and i kind of this is a developing thought still okay i'm i'm still thinking about this but it's not as good of a parent as humans. Humans are better role models and mm -hmm. they understand what other humans need. Responding on an emotional level. Yes. If you program an AI to correct your proportions or to you know, give you any kind of feedback, it's going to judge you the same way as it judged everyone else. That's what you want it to do. You, you want to, to, uh, to, for it to be reliable. But humans are all different and that individuality that we all get our all of our parents were different and they all trained us in a little bit different way they all distilled different morals in us and taught us different things and that makes us different and that's good mm -hmm. humans need to be different otherwise we'd all be the same and we'd all be the same artist and and that's boring so art would wouldn't be as interesting if we were all we all had the same art teachers and the same parents so that human element is still important um self-expression i mean I guess until robots become have a sense of self that that doesn't, they're not good at that. Um, 
I wrote down the word meaning, and I'm not sure what I meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. But meaning is an, an abstract concept. Yeah, uh, what did I mean by that? I don't know. It, what I meant. Well, you, you, you got to make, a, if you're going to find meaning in something, you're making oh, an imaginative yeah. leap. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Any thoughts so far? Yeah, I've got all sorts of thoughts. Go so ahead. Far. Let's. Before Could it be I that keep AI going. can't instill meaning into something they create. Maybe that's the big thought that we're headed toward. I think. Years ago, when it, this would have been early '90s, I was with an older teacher from Fullerton College who was obsessed with the idea of AI and with what happens when the computers reach consciousness, mm-hmm. and decide that they are the ones that have the power. And I remember we went back on this, back and forth on this over and over, and I said, I I don't see the computers reaching consciousness. You're going to doomsday again, Marshall. I just don't see them reaching (laughs) consciousness. I think that they're machines and they aren't gonna do it. And I've been told in the last couple years, no, computers can reach consciousness. I mean, that seems like that's all the rage of what people are talking about, is that they will become self-aware and so I was blind to it, and I guess that it's happening. But it's, this is the, the now. I, I think eventually it will. Mm-hmm. It, if, if okay, this is a very big topic, and I don't think we should get into it. I don't either. If you want to learn more about that, there's Singularity is near. That's a very popular book about this, and also Superintelligence. Um, those two books are very good about that topic. Okay, well, let me tell it. you how it relates to the to the topic at hand, though. That when you say that computers are not good at self-expression and at meaning and at morals, mm-hmm. well, it could eventually. Yeah, who's to say that that can't be programmed into it? It used to be that I, I would always say that computers can do perspective better than you can do it, but what they can't do is they can't decide whether this looks good or not. But then yeah. if you take enough time to say what is good and what is not good and what is the gray area and how many factors are evolved in it, it could evolve to that it point. It could. That's why I started that whole list by saying this is a work in progress in my head. Yeah. I, um, I know that eventually um, computers could just be just as good at anything mm-hmm. as we are, even at being an individual. We could well, just be, pick random things and just change things about itself and... There you go. It's an individual. And this is where it gets intense because you start thinking, well, computer, the next wave, there was the dinosaurs and the humans and now, now the computers. Yeah. And it can go all over the place, but we're aiming this back to how it relates to art training. students. Yes. <laughs> Let's go back to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more towards the near future because I think when people say that, you know, um, computers can be art teachers, some art teachers say, oh, crap, I'm going to lose my job. It's like, I, I think, no, you don't need to lose your job because you you still have a lot to offer. You might just need to get, become better at what you offer. Right. You might need to, instead of teaching ma- the math stuff that the computer can do better than you, you need to figure out how you're different from the computer, which is be, um, be a coach to the student. Help them figure out who they are. Just help them along their path that the computers can't do yet. Here, here. Um, yeah, be a coach, be a parent, be a big brother, whatever it is. The thing about losing one's job as a teacher, I remember years ago, a man telling me that the railroads 
had trouble. The railroads were the only way you could get things from the East Coast to the West Coast and all sorts of other places. And that one of the mistakes the railroads made in the 20th century is that they did not understand that they were not in the railroad business. They were in the transportation business. And so when other modes of transportation came out, uh, the movie industry did the same thing as they mm -hmm. mentioned in Moguls and Movie Stars. TV was a threat. Uh, one of these moguls would not even allow a TV set to be shown in his movies because he, they were so to threatened by TV. Because well, you get movies for free at home. Why would you ever go to the movies? And it was Walt Disney, among others. But Walt Disney was one of the ones who figured, let's use TV. Yeah. TV ended up making the movies have all sorts of benefits, like another market that they could go through. So yeah. uh, with teachers who see that there are more options for training my students, Rather than saying it's going to take my job away, I think the better thing to do is what you're saying. How can it help me be a better yeah, teacher? That's exactly yeah. it. How can this benefit my students? Don't be selfish. Yeah. And, and try to limit your students' uh, resources just so that you could benefit by keeping your job. <laughs> I, used to, I used to teach all of my classes with 35 millimeter slides, and I had about 10 to 20,000 uh, slides that I'd shot and a whole wall of these 35 millimeter slides. And it took me several years to get them digitized. But now the ability to go from slide to slide, line them up in Photoshop, fade between them, all of the other things, the technology has just made it so that these classes are way more efficient, way more dense with information mm -hmm. because of stuff that couldn't be done. You couldn't do that kind of stuff with 35 millimeter slides. Yeah. So this is great, but I want to hear more specifically about how it's going to happen. How is... AI going to help oh. the 18-year-old me become a great draftsperson. You just want to hear some examples? Yeah. Or I mean, what, the applications what, are, there's so many of them. Are there really? Of course. And you're, are, you want me to just, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of ideas. I'm only, I don't have an unlimited amount of money to, to throw at this. So I, I had to pick a few to, to start exper experimenting in. But Tell us. So the, the, the ones I am experimenting with our perspective because mm -hmm. it's directly it's math yeah right um and so that's the one that we're furthest on is you draw a box and it could be any proportion box not a perfect cube um you throw it into the app and then it tells you how, it corrects your box it corrects your perspective for you. when it corrects you it gives the logic of why it corrects you. You didn't name it the vanishing point. It doesn't point. give you reasons. It doesn't, okay. It just overlays. This is, and this is just version one where this is yeah. uh, beta. Okay. We wanted, we had to figure out an input and an output. Um, and the problems we really wanted to solve was, can we have it just uh, correct your box? It, the, the figuring out why it's correct is another step on top of that. Yeah. But can it look at yours figure out what's wrong with it, and then give you the correct answer. Um, that's step one. Okay. And right now, it works most of the time. And this is a, an app you've developed? Well, not personally. I'm working with a team. Right. That I've hired. But it's going to be a Proco app. Yeah, it's a Proco app. Okay. I'm leading the project. Mm -hmm. I've hired a firm of AI people. I told them what I want. And we talk all the time in the mornings on my walks. And, we, and I tell them how and I, I've this talked is to why you a, a lot. yeah a year and two ago we had phone conversations yeah. which were specifically about and what I was trying it would to figure be. out like yeah because there's so many rules to perspective and I don't want to just in, you know like inject all these rules it would just take forever so I wanted to figure out what's the the most elegant way 
to correct the box. Um, and that's we had all these conversations. Now I remember those those conversations. I remember you told me it was about AI, but now I'm starting to see that how the you picture didn't know fits it was together. It's going to lead to your that's death. right. That's right. It's going <laughs> to <laughs> take over my bank account. <laughs> yeah. You don't know you're going to lose your job because of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried. So it works, and I want you to try it because you're a perspective teacher. Okay, I'll try it. You want you to try, but not in this episode. Okay, a future episode. So I'll draw a box and then you'll put it into the app and we'll see yeah. how it fixes you just, it. You put a JPEG in. I'm not going to reveal the this, this stuff that it does. Okay. But it goes through several stages. To f- but then it categorizes you from brilliant to okay to idiot or anything like that? No, that's great. That was actually the very first AI app we made. What? <laughs> was rating you as an artist. <laughs> rating you. It's the art rating app. And using the most colorful adjectives to describe No, your, it was just a uh, one through ten. Okay. Oh, yeah. I gathered a lot of art for you, that. Yeah, Charlie had to gather art to train the, uh, the network. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I had to go through and rate each one. Okay. So we trained it based on my opinions. This, okay. was, not, this was just an experiment. Um, it was, it's not like quality of art is a, is a rule. Yeah. But we basically we trained it with my... Opinions? With my opinions. Yeah. Um, and then... Basically, we, we got an app that you put in your drawing and it rates you based on what I would say. Okay. And it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. That's interesting. I think we did a blind test afterwards where I, we took drawings that I, we never showed it. And then I rated them and then we fed it through to see if it, how much it would match. And we were like 82% accurate. Wow, something like that. So this is, this is a game changer in some ways. I mean, yeah. this, is, this is, or in a, in a major way as, yeah. it, as it comes to fruition. Yeah. And this is just putting a few thousand dollars into an experiment. Imagine once giant corporations start throwing money at, I mean, they probably are already actually, into uh, education and AI yeah. and having robots teach us. And I'm using the word robots. They're not actually robots. I know what you mean. They're, it's just, a, they're just computer algorithms. It's a non-human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine when there's billions of dollars thrown at this. Like, Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're, you're sparking all sorts of thoughts that could take me in, in a number of different directions. Let's different take the directions. best direction. The, well, let me, let me sort through them. But first okay. of all, it you is exciting. It's exciting and it makes me think that if I were in my 20s, this might be something I want to pursue, like virtual reality. I yeah. was uh, spent a, a weekend with some younger professionals that are doing uh, great in concept art and they are excited about virtual reality because they want to they want to put energy into how they would tell a story with it yeah. and what the strengths of it are over the the typical way uh, and I again as I took a whole bunch of notes on what they had to say but I was thinking I don't know that I'm going to get into virtual reality oh you will well maybe oh you will but it, Marshall do you know that we have a v, uh, a Vive set up right here no I didn't know <laughs> that you did we have it set up well, do you actually, really we move the computer but we could put it back very quickly okay we, we can do that next time too you can test out the Vive okay. well there's a, there's an historical uh, analogy to this that uh, book illustrators would uh, would choose one image to illustrate for every chapter or so and then when movies came in well, why would you just do one picture? You can actually do the whole movie or the whole animation. But there were a number of book illustrators said, you know, I kind of like choosing one and all of the energy that goes into that. And it doesn't mean that the movies aren't going to blaze uh, yeah. beyond book illustration. Virtual reality is 
the next wave. But yeah, it, some it, people don't like new mediums. All right. Older people. Type. I've, yeah. Older people tend to just stick with what they grew up with. I right. see you as a person that is open to new things, though. Well, we'll see. Right. Yeah. You'll put me to the test. Like new mediums. I did draw, uh, tried drawing a horse in virtual reality once. And the you first thing. You used tilt brush? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the first thing I found out is that it's not like where you got a, a flat piece of paper that keeps your pencil the same yeah. distance from you. Is that I was getting closer and further back, and that when I turned around, I thought, "Wow, I, those lines were." So yeah, there was a surprise yeah. with that. It's a different medium. You have to get used to the medium. It's like going from pencil to oil paint. Yeah, and like yeah. with Glenn Keane, you know, he got excited about it. You got these full gesture yeah. lines that can go in three dimensionality. I could see just like how sculpting can help you with drawing or painting. I could see how the interrelationship between these some people who are comic book artists and they also want to make films and animation and until just tell stories by word of mouth there's a relationship between all of them it adds another element of uh experiencing the work of art that movies paintings um any other medium doesn't yet the technology definitely has a lot of room to improve but still, it, it will improve. And once it go, gets to the point where we're completely comfortable wearing these goggles and there's nothing that's holding us back from going in there, it's just going to be a better experience because it adds more, more layers on top of it. Yeah. Now, I steered us away from, uh, from AI. AI to a virtual reality. Yeah, that's but, fine. But uh, back, back to you, you, AI. So you're uh, old and you associate new technology with, it's with all other new, new technology. technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No. Uh, you know about the microwave? Yeah, I, I remember when the <laughs> it microwave reminds me was of AI. Used. Yeah, you could get me off onto stories about. <laughs> God, <laughs> I'll I was tell joking. You a story. I thought I was exaggerating. No, I remember when the microwave was introduced. But it's a whole other. Oh God. Uh, the so correcting perspective in. is one thing. How about correcting anatomy? That's oh, more complicated. Right. Other stuff. Okay, correcting anatomy. There's, I mean, you could eventually train it to know everything about the human body. Um, and it, it will just correct you in that way. But that, that's kind of difficult right now. The, the approach we're taking is, let's say we have a 3D model that's very accurate. Mm -hmm. And we have a rigger who's very good, who can rig the deformations of all the muscles into, mm -hmm. in, um, for every joint, every possible joint motion. Wow. Right? Let's say we can do that. And that they, people already do that for movies. Yeah. They rig 3D characters to be believably deformed when they move. Hmm. So we have this model that deforms correctly. Then what we would need is to add another element where you have a pose detector, um, which there is already. But it can look, you at, guys the, know look at the body uh, and know how something foreshortened? Connect? Yeah. Yeah. The, my, the connect was out so many years ago where it's got... Uh, is it infrared sensor and it could sense your body pose mm -hmm. so you can feed it a photograph or let's say even just on your phone you have an app where you point it at a person it could detect the pose of the person immediately send your joint rotation coordinates to this rig 3d model and then it sends you back a, a perfectly well not perfectly but you know it sends you back this 3d model with all those joints in those positions so you have that pose without skin but it can still get confused, and that's why. Of course, you 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 still have somebody going in there to fix it because there's. It's, it can it's, get confused in early versions, but once you have many years and lots of money dedicated yeah. to improving all of this stuff, it'll be much better than humans at it. Let me make sure I understand. It yeah. looks at the light pattern, 
and analyzes that that must be an up plane and that must be uh, another plane and it it's doing all these calculations well it's not you don't really know you don't tell it to look at the light pattern ai doesn't work that way okay with with or at least not networks there's a lot of different categories of ai let me describe how a neural network is programmed very quickly okay okay so you don't give it rules you don't tell it how things work you feed it data you give it thousands millions of data points so you give it a photograph and then you tell it what the pose is that's it it analyzes or it just takes all of that and it learns from it based on your data it figures out on its own the rules of how to detect a pose so it you that means it takes forever to give it this information you've got it's got lots and lots of teaching ai potentially you know what this reminds me of is sherlock holmes approach is that there is observation there is deduction they're two different things and then a third one is information that's the one that his brother didn't have uh, which is that you gather more and more data yeah uh, sometimes more data doesn't actually improve the accuracy though because it doesn't sometimes need, it doesn't need, need a thousand it. and it figures it out yeah. and it's good okay so yeah with the whole pose detection thing they've they've already trained it i don't know how many poses they had to train it with but it's pretty accurate okay so that's pose detection and yeah. then uh from pose detection is anatomy muscle or bone positions and muscle deformation yeah that's just the the strategy that we're we're taking is that we're rigging it in on our own mm -hmm. another solution is just to start training it let it figure out human anatomy on its own um that that's very complicated you have to break that up into many many steps um i'm not going in that direction yet the end result being that students can take a shot at developing an anatomical mannequin, uh, doing an anatomical analysis. You put it into the app and the app will say close, but not close enough. Here's how it could be better. And that kind of, and it's going to fix it. Sure. Yeah. You can train it to, to look at a, a drawing, an anatomy drawing, and it could tell you where you were off. Yes. Okay. So we got perspective, we got anatomy, any others that you're working on? Um, not that we're working on the box one is the one where we're, we're, um, putting most of our attention on the anatomy one is one we've been experimenting with. Uh, it's got the most trouble. It is much more difficult. This reminds me of how Pixar's first feature was Toy Story mm -hmm. because 3D rendering was so good with plastics and toy-like things. Even that, that dog, which didn't really have any fur, 3D yeah. really had a hard time with drapery and hair, things like that. But within a decade or so, they were starting to get to where they could do things where somebody's got fur. Yeah. So you start with the box because that is only a series of lines. Yeah. That seemed like the easiest thing for us to do where we could actually succeed in doing it very quickly mm -hmm. and provide value to students like right away. Fixing or yeah, fixing someone's box is very useful for beginners. Yeah. Um, you bet. And it's simple and it, it's something that could save them a lot of time if they don't have a teacher. Okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I said, there's so many tools that you can create that will help like fixing someone's compositions you Ooh. Ah, ah the word fixing is setting ah. you off huh? <laughs> but you know you determine what the what fixing means it, does, yes. it might not be fixing it could be like give me some variations 
okay, that makes sense. Give me some variations. Give me some variations. Or And then it could look for things that it understands as principles, like yeah. is there enough differentness here? Or if it's all the same, yeah. is it all the same deliberately? You and it's, tell it what to do, Marshall. You're yeah. the boss. Well, see, I'm now in the same position that I was in uh, 28 years ago with the guy who was saying, what about when the computers reach consciousness? I think it's going to be a long time and I might be wrong. We're not working with consciousness. This is a different type of I, but AI. I think it's going to be a long time before a computer can really help you that much with composition. And the reason being that composition is based ultimately on human feeling because you you can't say that Beethoven's symphonies, you can't say his sonatas are great. Mm-hmm because of any objective standard other than when people hear them, they have an emotional response and it's universal enough yeah. to say that's a great piece of composition. So that's, that's, the, that's the area where you really have a complicated mesh of how the computer is going to know that this is going to strike a feeling, strike a chord, literally. Yeah. You can break rules to get certain effects with composition so that's why you're saying that's why it's hard to yeah. figure out rules for perspective because breaking them can be a rule in itself and 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 according to feeling but i think i've got i think i've got the secret for the next stage of evolution of ai okay let me throw this out to all you. right you wire so, up microwaves you <laughs> yeah you press a button you wire up a bunch of people Different ages, genders, ethnicities. So wire you get a, them up. You wire them up. Is this the matrix? And <laughs> what now, are we now, doing hang here, Hang on. Hang on. Let me finish this. <laughs> you wire them up and you show them compositions and you record what goes on with their emotions. Okay. And Which then parts you, of their brains light up? That's that right. Saying? Okay. So that when people hear da 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 da, they're going to have a different feeling than if you hear chords that are, are notes that didn't relate in the same way. And okay. then you take all that information, and then you're starting to study human emotional responses. So you categorize. Are we talking about music here? Well, or art, but okay. Uh, so we categorize certain paintings. Yeah. And we, based on the emotions they evoked. Yeah. And then other paintings on another emotion. Mm -hmm. And we group them into these different things. And then what does that get us? That gets us that when they, people laugh at these pictures, a whole bunch of people laugh, not everybody laugh, but then we start to see, oh, it's because they represent people, but they represent people with the ears bigger. Also the color red gets a certain response and a whole bunch of things that are all the same shape get a certain response. And so you take all that data and that's where, to me, it seems that's how you're going to find out since you're talking about art for humans, not for machines. It would make sense that you're going to study human emotional responses, mm-hmm. categorize them, and that's how you're going to teach the computer to make a judgment. That's one tool. They even found yeah. out that people who are uh, Eastern oriented, Asian countries, have different emotional, di- different uh, eye patterns when they look at a picture than people in the Western continent. Because they read in a different uh, and or also left. there was another thing too. I, I I'm doing this from memory, but a student who knew more about it explained to me that if you're Asian, you're more likely to get the whole context. And if you're Western, especially if you're a United States Western, you tend to look for individuals. Are you talking about actually the genetics of a person or where they grew up? I think it would be where, where they grew up. Like a yeah. white person that was born in China. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how it would relate to uh, 
to genetics. Okay. But so it's regions, not race. I, I, as far as I know, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a and, cultural thing. Okay. Yeah. But, but that does, that, that's an interesting thing that you can start to break a couple categories of humans and say one has one kind of response and another has one, or they tend to. It's, it, those things aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. But those are the kind of things where you could even have your AI tell you that if it's to this audience, or if it's this audience, if it's to 12-year-olds, <laughs> yeah, sure, a lot of exactly. poop jokes. See, that's what I'm saying, is that the examples of how this can be applied are, are endless. You just came up with a bunch of examples I would never think of. Well, I can see why you're excited about Stan. Yeah. The thing is, you can, you can make a tool to do whatever you want. If you, if you want a tool to judge your, your value of how accurate you shaded a sphere, you could do that. I got one thing I want to challenge about this AI business. Okay. I saw an ad today that advertised massage that <laughs> said no touching and no, it had a list what? of things and I, it's not, it's a massage, it's a, it's like an AI massage, I guess. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mechanical massage. And I thought, why would anyone want massage that erases another human's touch? And I, I'm sure there are people, but okay. it seems like one of the most important things about learning from a teacher is that personalities are touching and you're starting to see, I'm seeing this about you and I think you're being too hard on me or no, you're being too easy on me. And by the time that goes on for uh, a few years, and then it's over and the student has gone on. There's always this memory of relationship. There's always this, this thing that that was part of my, my artistic childhood. I don't think that AI is, it's going to be a while before AI is going to really offer that in any meaningful way. I know I've seen her and I, I know what the movies show, but I still think there's something about a real relationship with another person. Okay. So you're not really challenging me though. <laughs> No, I guess I'm not challenging. You're not. I said that. There's hu- humans are right now, I think, for and for a while, are going to be a lot better at certain things than computers. And that's where we will come in. But you can have a massage chair at home mm-hmm. and go to that massage chair where you need your back massaged and still have a wife where you have real physical contact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't mean that like you can't have a massage chair and get value out of it, though. Yeah. You can still get value out of it. And if you use these tools that are way better at getting these very specific things, then you you could use those for getting those very specific things. And then the things they lack, you get out of the real world the way you get them now. We're in total agreement. And this is so boring. (laughs) What? I'm excited. It's not boring. I was trying to find a way to argue with you, but it wasn't even arguing. It was just playing. You were agreeing with me. I was agreeing with you. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, I'm having a really hard time finding something to pick at with this. But yes, relationship yes. with teacher. <laughs> yeah, you can have real relationships with a real human and then use a calculator yeah. to calculate things quickly. I also think I mean, some, some students like, just like there's some people who do not want to be touched by another person, there are some yeah. students who just would rather have the computer give me the feedback. I don't have to deal with that jerk. And, and then there's other people who say, I really want you to see what I'm doing and we're going to have a conversation. So yeah, there's a whole spectrum, but this spectrum is now opened up. You have options at that point. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that is something that uh, I know has come up before that didn't really come up in the conversation is that you're more likely to honestly um, accept critique from a oh, machine yeah. than, a, than a human teacher. You brought that up, Marshall. Yeah. That's true because you know that it's using rules and not just be judging you. But you, you were also saying that uh, when you hear a critique from another person that you're more likely to... Um, you, you feel like you're being judged and you're likely yeah. to to throw criticism back at them, right? Yes. And where, when it's a computer giving you a critique, you're like, oh, okay, that's just a, a response yeah. that I would get from a calculator. Yeah, some people prefer to learn from books as opposed to a real teacher. Some people never read books, but they're good students. They just want somebody to explain it to them. Cool. Okay. Well, I could talk about this for hours let's talk it about it again <laughs> yeah like we can once we have more things to talk about we'll bring it up in another episode um i'm so excited for the comments on this one because i i, I really want to hear about from people who also have been thinking about this kind of application so if you if you guys have any thoughts please leave it in the com leave some in the comments um blazing new trails yeah um let's take a break break done <laughs> Breakdown? <laughs> Breakdown tonight. What next? Do we have a voicemail? Charlie, you got a voicemail for us? Oh, I've got voicemails. All right. Hey, guys. How's it going? This is, uh, my name is Jeremy Delagarza. Um, I was just calling to say I'm loving the podcast so far, and I thought I would ask a question. And my question is, whenever I'm doing um, a larger illustration that involves perspective, there are times when I my efficiency slows down a bit um, because I start overanalyzing um, the perspective of the drawing. And my question for you is, do you lay out extensive perspective grids and with the field of view or the cone of vision and um, kind of similar to New Masters Academy where they, they do like a bird's eye, figuring out exact perspective and making sure you're within the field or the cone? Um, or do you do you just kind of go intuitively into it and, and eyeball it? Because sometimes I I go more of the analytic route and I, I lay everything out, but then I realize my time has kind of been eaten up in, in that very thing. But then if I don't do that, I, I tend to um, – I have this part of my brain that won't turn off and, and, and uh kind of bothers me as saying like oh you should have laid all that groundwork first so i'm just curious how you guys go about it and how you would approach like if you were doing some big cityscape view with a bunch of characters that kind of thing so anyway thanks a lot you guys and looking forward to the next episodes take care can i do a quick yeah. answer because i know you 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 could probably get a long one i could you i don't could. know whether i will i think that the whole intuitive approach if you can have an intuitive, if you can start it intuitively and do it accurately, like Kim Jong-gi, if you have the experience and the knowledge, then do it intuitively. Why waste time plotting everything out? Um, but in the big, you, you can't get that intuition without first plotting things out and getting a feel for where things go by actually using the math. The intuition comes from from learning it slowly, yeah. and and using that time to do it correctly. Yeah. Um, 
So it, it just depends on your skill level, I think. And also it depends on what you're doing. If you're, if you're drawing a, a cathedral with all these benches and, you know, all, all these ge geometric things, you probably should just map it out. Um, but if you're doing a more cartoony thing where you can curve things and you can be a little bit inaccurate and it'll still feel fine, then you don't need to. Just use your intuition. Yes, the issue is discernment. The issue is, should I, on this piece, do this? And you've got the yeah. extremes. On one side, you've got Kim Jong-gi. He was the first person I was going to mention. He, and he teaches about how he does a one-point perspective cube, but then turns it out this way and turns it out the other way, and then does the diagonals, and how far can you spread that out, and then put people in those blocks. Uh, that is exercise to imprint the axes into your brain. But then you got the other extreme. You've got Da Vinci's famous room. Uh, you've got Thomas Aiken's uh, rower. Uh, you've got some of the Disney artists that when they'd have somebody that was bouncing around in a pool, they had a grid on the pool so they could keep track of it. So there's uh, both, but you don't want to deny yourself the opportunity to do uh, uh, some grids. In fact, a bunch of grids just to Get them and wide angle grids versus uh, telephoto grids. We're going to yeah. deal with that more. So yeah, it's discernment more than anything else. But do it, do it to learn it, and then choose whether you should do it for an individual picture. Cool, good. Did we answer that enough for I, Jeremy? That seemed good. Better be enough because that's yeah. all we're giving him. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you get, Jeremy. Deal with it, wow. Jeremy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> I love you, Jeremy. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah, that was useful. Um, Marshall, what's your thing? Oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me tell you, yeah. I have been studying steam locomotives. You say, why <laughs> would you study steam locomotives when Stan is into AI? Yeah. I'm studying them because for demonstrating perspective, the, <laughs> the boiler is a cylinder on the z-axis. Yeah. The wheels are cylinders on the x-axis. The smokestack and the bell and all that other stuff are cylinders on the y-axis. And so they're great to show the three positions of the cylinders. Okay. But I knew nothing about steam locomotives, although I was raised in Anaheim right near Knott's Berry Farm, and they have a real steam train that still works there. And I, all my early days, I could hear that thing whistle so that it really brings me back to childhood. But it was only been in the last month that I've actually been studying these things and learning about them and one of the appeals of them, why do people still care when in the 20th century they went out? Because <laughs> unlike a computer, your smartphone, you don't see any of the working mechanisms, you only see the display. Mm -hmm. The steam train, because water mm -hmm. expands like over a thousand times as much when you heat it up, that was the only thing that gave the power to move hundreds of tons of stuff. So they harnessed this stuff and they made these machines that were not, they didn't design them to be aesthetic at first, they just designed them to work. Yeah. Then they started to work the aesthetic, but you got so many of the moving parts on the outside. And to be in the presence of that kind of physical strength really is a rush. I even got uh, one of my students at Knott's Berry Farm works as one of the bank robbers on the train there or excuse me, the train robbers on the train. And so he got a, an opportunity for me to ride along in the cab and see where they open up the, uh, the part where they throw in the, the coal or the wood. So yeah, they really are more interesting than I expected them to be. And they look cool. Yeah. 
Anyway, they're they're, you, they're just a trip. Are you doing this for your perspective course? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is going to be one of the projects people work on. Uh, it to to, to do a, a number of very rough drawings of those three cylinders in different positions, oh. even if they aren't proportioned properly. Yeah. But to spinning cylinders around in perspective is an advanced procedure. It's very good to start that way, just generally. But if you're going to make it exact, you have to be aware of the three axes of the cube first. And then you have to place the ellipses on there at their proper openness and angle. And so, yeah, that's a great exercise yeah. to do a whole bunch of trains where you do the boiler, okay. the wheels, and the... Well, I can't wait for that perspective motion. course. Sure can't wait for it. Yeah, well, you're <laughs> going to have to. Just like Jeremy is going to have to be happy with our answer. Yeah. Is it still uh, maybe next year or... We're shooting for 2020. But okay. But we're going to do what we can. I'm working on we'll it. See, We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Cool. What's your thing? Um, microwaves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tell me more. I'm no. very interested. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> no. Um, man, I got so many things. Go ahead. Which one should I pick? Give us, a, give us the options. No, I'm going to save my options for future episodes. I'm going to pick Mixergy. I told you about Mixergy. Um, well, you want me to tell you what I remember about Mixergy? Sure. It was in 2013. Whoa. I asked you. <laughs> oh my God. I asked you, why do you not do Proco on iTunes? And you said, here's why. And then you gave me this reason, and this reason, and this reason. What were the reasons? I don't know. It, it, it's not important. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I asked you some things about how. Because uh, now we are. I asked, how you were, I asked how you were running your business, and you had an answer for everything. I said, and you did not go to college and take business classes? I said, how did you. You know more about business than anybody I know. And you said, there's this podcast mm. named Mixergy that yeah. is a that spotlights. Well, you tell okay, me. Okay, so you, yeah, you Mixergy, me. Um, they do interviews with successful or sometimes failed business owners or you know, entrepreneurs uh -huh. and um it was a daily interview so they had daily one, one. they had one every day i do not know how he scheduled someone for every day but i would uh i had a habit for many years of that's how i started my day uh, is i would listen to the interview and i learned so much about business from just you know hearing these interviews of of people's uh, businesses and uh, as i recall you said that every time you listen to an episode you then try to figure out how can i apply that to building my business yes and at the time i wasn't working on proco at the time i was building an, uh, a procofolio which was a, a a website builder for artists it was pretty much what um, squarespace is yeah but it was just specifically for artists that's an example, though, of using the internet and being self-motivated to say, I don't need to take a business class yeah. until I feel like I need one, but I've got all this inspiration. Yeah. It was fun, and I learned a lot. Mixergy's still around. They still do uh, interviews. They do courses now. But it's been going since... Oh, jeez. I don't like know. 2010? They, they have thousands of interviews. Yeah, right. Um, obviously, because if they do it every day, and they've been... Yeah around for several years so that means if the mixer g people yeah tune into this podcast yeah andrew warner know, if you hear this <laughs> yeah know that that his I program contributed to his podcast yeah. contributed to proco that's my thing good thing <laughs> cool i guess that's it i guess that's it all right yeah. thank you guys um i think we already asked them for the comment of the week to the, the, AI. the ai if you have any thoughts any ideas for apps AI apps, what do you wish 
that a computer could help you with in your art development. Yeah, you have Stan's attention. If yeah. you want to steer his company, this is your chance. <laughs> it's true. Um, and then uh, leave five stars on iTunes. Sure. And please sponsor this episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. See you.